I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to the Indie Football Podcast. Um, It's week three of the new season, or as Jose Mourinho might put it, the number of months he has left in the job. Um... My name is Jonathan Liu, Chief Sports Writer of The Independent. Um, Ed Malian is away this week, so I've got Sam Lovett from uh, the Sports Desk to, <laughs> uh, to, to discuss the, the the weekend's football and probably a lot else besides. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Good bank holiday weekend. How did, how did you spend your bank holiday weekend? Oh, I think by well, so Saturday and Sunday I spent in the office, and then Monday I treated myself to a uh, a cycle, which was uh, quite enjoyable. So. Okay, like a, a cycle to a place or just like a, a recreational sort of you? you, you yeah, the, the first one, it, I ended up in uh, Croydon of all places, so it was just, uh, I ended up cycling just you to see the, where it took me. Take the tram to Croydon these days. Yeah, you could. I mean, uh, it's when people say, I, I want on a 12 mile run. It's quicker to, quicker to drive, <laughs> quicker to drive. Um, so, we, I mean, we're going to discuss uh, all the weekend's football at, at some point, but I suppose it makes sense to start right at the very end where at Old Trafford last night, extraordinary game, extraordinary circumstances, uh, an extraordinary press conference afterwards. It finished Manchester United respect Tottenham Hotspur 3. Uh, Joseph Mourinho blowing his top afterwards. Miguel Delaney and, and Mark Critchley were there. The next voice you'll hear um, will be Critch's. OK, hi, Johnny. Yes, welcome to Manchester, where I'm here with Miguel Delaney after Manchester United nil, Tottenham Hotspur 3. Uh, Miguel, it's been about half an hour since full time. I don't, I don't even know what time it is anymore. What, what do you make of all that? Well, I was just thinking, even before we, well, as we were setting up there, what was actually worse? United's performance and the result, or Mourinho's display afterwards? Because that was that, that press conference. I mean, only, only Mourinho could make a press conference more noteworthy and notable than a game like that. But yet, that, well, like people going, oh, you know, manipulating the media and all that. But no, that, that wasn't convincing deflection because it just bring more questions. Because clearly, what it, what it showed, he doesn't know how to respond to anything. And it was exactly like Chelsea 2015 that way. I know, I know people maybe might be sick of hearing that, but it's impossible to avoid. He just doesn't know how to respond to this. And that was proven in that bizarre press conference. When, I mean, first of all, trying to claim that, you know, that they won the game strategically, mm-hmm. um, which... I think for a start, it isn't true. I mean, there, there is some merit to the fact that it was a bad first half, you know, with the better side. But, like, that kind of stuff becomes irrelevant if the game still just exposes, exposes the massive, massive flaws your team has, particularly not for the first time, how Hez just sank, how he collapsed after conceding the first goal. Yeah, and should we, should we start with the press conference then? Because I feel like that is the thing that we'll, we'll talk about tomorrow. Like, what's going on in his mind to have that kind of reaction there? I mean... From my personal point of view, it was almost like he just it started because it started off quite, quite yeah. kind of a few of the questions, the opening questions, they weren't so you know they weren't so like critical of him, yeah. and he was kind of just going through. Yeah, he was he was repeating all those ridiculous claims, and once he got laid into, you saw yeah, him get yeah. agitated. It actually and really I, kind yeah, of kicked off. It, it, it did because it did get become a quite a proper back and forth. That and I, but I thought what was most 
to be honest, I was pathetic of it, about it, and pathetic in the sense that because it shows how beaten he is to a degree, is the way he had to kind of hypocritically go back on his own opinion that results are all that matter. <laughs> trying to trying to go to media. Well, you when, when the results actually mattered, and well, yeah. hang on, come on. It's not like he suddenly changed his philosophy overnight for yeah, this game. Yeah. It's just because it suits the circumstances course, right and now. And that's typically it. Like, well, and that's the thing. And, and ultimately, like the whole thing was an attempt at a face-saving exercise, but there wasn't much to it. I mean, and he tried that that tricky doors. Like this um, foreign journalist asked, um, what, what, "Where do you think it went wrong tonight?" I mean, just kind of really. Like, kind of sharply turned the question back on him. Mm. You know, did you see the first goal? Yeah. And again, that's what the implication there. That was, that was basically him trying to criticise Phil Jones without criticising Phil Jones. But everyone knows what the story is. Um, but then, and ultimately, like his only response to this, basically, to which I think shows how bad it is right now, to basically point to his historical record because we had that bizarre scene where he walked out of the room, singing, asking for more respect, respect, respect. I've won three. Respect man. Yeah. I like that bit. Respect man. Yeah, I, I, listen I, to the tape back now. Respect man. Gee, I, I, I didn't hear that. <laughs> uh, oh, but then, and also, then this other, this other bit, um, you know, appealing to the fans, the best judges, basically so they don't get on his back. Um, but, I mean, and it was fairly put to him that at that point, when so many fans had walked out, so they're the best judges, what about the fans that walked out? <laughs> and he responded like... <laughs> But it takes two hours to get back to central Manchester. <laughs> Which is a blatant lie among the other blatant lies that we heard in that press conference right there. Um, so we've, we've started at the end with the press conference. What did you make of the, the scene at the end where he does go over to the fans and he kind of puts on... I don't know about you, but I always see this kind of thing as very performative. We've seen him do it before. I was going to say, another performance. Yeah. And it just play, it plays into the... Um, it plays into the hands of what uh, I suppose a few, a few colleagues have now described as the Jose truthers who are kind of well he's a winner uh, I think that's <laughs> like, like his appeal to his previous record and that's basically irrelevant because he's not winning much at the moment um, yeah but that, I mean it, 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 I think I mean the, the one counter argument to all this that I've already seen is about how United were the better team for a lot of the game and, and had Lukaku taken a chance it would have been different but I think we have to remember Spurs were really bad in the first half mm. and Spurs were there for the taking so for, so for to flip round that degree is, isn't actually a saving grace for United it's even more of an indictment yeah I agree I think um, it was really surprised just how bad both teams were in the first half and just how many passes were being misplaced but I think the piece I wrote I think what characterised United tonight was just a kind of nervous energy. You know, we, we always talk about Mourinho, how he instills fear in his players, and you saw that with all, the, all the, the changes made from the Brighton game and all these players cast out, of the, not even in the matchday squad. But it looked like well, United wanted to do something yeah. tonight, but were always kind of held back or, or compromised by this fear that, like, one mistake might cost them or there would be something. And I think you saw that with, like, Lukaku's miss, for example. You know, he's, he, he's got time and space to think about that and yet puts it wide. And... But I thought his, a lot of his passing was quite erratic as well, and yes, and I suppose a word for Spurs as well because we're kind of we're kind of neglecting them in this. Um, you wrote before the match about how this would kind of be Pochettino breaking under the ceiling because we'd yeah. seen them play so poorly here um, in the past. Have they done that now, or is this or is this more an indictment of United's performance? That's the thing. By the end of the game, it was very easy to forget that in the first half, Spurs have been awful. Rose and Alder Wirals, both who were kind of controversial picks in themselves were both like they both looked panicky not there the midfield structure didn't seem right there was a lot of problems with Spurs and you did see us oh, kind of same old story and there was a weird meekness to them as well when United were in this in this kind of form but I suppose the, the massive and very credible difference was that they they sensed a vulnerability in United and really really went for it that's and like the way they, they, they really came together in the game but that vulnerability as well even if Mourinho has basically fair 
fair complaints about that defence and the signings and all that, it still points to another one of his failings here because, and, and, and again, this comes back to something that happened at Chelsea 2015. All right, mistakes happen at Brighton, so he jettisons by, by he's not in the squad at all, and Lindelof brings in Jones. So already we have a, the extremist response, it completely changed. Jones makes his mistakes, and then he's gone as well. And Lindelof goes back in the team suddenly, so he's got the trust again. But then, of course, Lindelof makes mistakes. So it's just—it's almost a self-perpetuating cycle, and every, every, everything is extremely drastic with him. He doesn't have this kind of deafness anymore. I know you, you, you might say the nature of the performances I mean deafness shouldn't be allowed, but this is the whole point about kind of ma- managing these situations with nuance. And, he, he, and it comes again, comes back that he just doesn't know how to respond. No. Um, where, aside from on the pitch, then where do you think it goes from here? Because everything's been dominated over the past week. We didn't have a game in midweek. Yeah. Everything's been dominated dominated about his relationship with Woodward, his relationship with Pogba, his relationship with agents. How does this play out now? Or and, and uh, is, is anything coming to a head? Or are we still in for a long kind of bitter kind of? I mean, if it, if it, if it comes if it becomes a Mourinho season, as Antonio Conte famously put it, another 2015-16 all bets are off and I don't think we can rule that out actually like because <laughs> it looks a lot wrong the playbook's playing out so yeah. far isn't it my instinct at the moment would be actually things stay steady enough um, I think there'll be a response and something, to be honest I thought there'd be a response today um, and I, but actually even say even if they lose on Sunday I don't think they'll quite act the club will quite act yet Um I think they'll still hold on until it becomes obvious the top four can't be got, like, so, which is actually what Chelsea did in 2015 as well. Um, but then again, like, it's, 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 it's amazing that we're going over the same old teams because already complicating the bad results is Mourinho's relationship with Ed Woodward, which, which makes it even more difficult for him if he's to keep the job. But uh, you still you just get the sense he doesn't know a way out of this. No. Um, and I suppose if it's a question of when or... Well, it's still a question of if, but if it is a question of when he goes... Well, when do we see that? Is it going to be Christmas? Because we think, I was thinking before, like, think of Moyes, it was kind of, there was a very specific point where it was like, we can't get Champions League and you're gone. And it feels daft to be talking about this after three games. But then Van Gaal was also kind of just long drawn out. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the season, everyone knew by about November, December, but it was, it was the end of the season. But, then, but then I think this has the potential to go worse than both. Right. So he, something given how bad the Moyes season was. So we're expecting perhaps the club to be a little bit more ruthless here or well, at some point perhaps. Possibly. I mean, let's not forget, like, and I actually think it's something that Mourinho's been given a bit too much of a pass for, how bad that Chelsea season was, and they were losing the game every second week. They were in 16th by the time he got sacked. That, that's not impossible here because of how just toxic the, kind of, the atmosphere around the team gets and the fear of mistakes and, and things going wrong. And again, he can rightfully point to kind of knife-edge moments like Lukaku's missing all that. But again, that's not really the point. The point is how they respond to those knife-edge moments because it, it feels if, if players are going to do that, you know... They feel like these fatal mistakes, mm. which they did, which then, in a kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, end up becoming. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's just about enough from us here um, on what was quite a hectic Amazing. night in in Manchester, our first of the season. You, 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 in your piece before the game, actually, you said how it didn't feel like a game to, that should really be at the start of the season, and yeah. and I think that's borne out by events tonight. So, um, okay, thank you. That's all from Manchester, and back to the studio. Yeah. Well, it has certainly been. Uh kind of a really turbulent two or three weeks, possibly even going back to the whole summer for United. Nick's there saying that this could be as bad as Mourinho's Chelsea season of 50-60, where they they were 16th at the time he left. Sam, is that 
is that a little bit of an overreaction? I mean, are, are, are things really poised to get that bad? Or, or, was, or was this just kind of one bad result uh, in isolation? Well, it certainly seems to be going that way, doesn't it? All the sort of the warning signs are there. Um, the sense that Mourinho is out of control. I, th- I think that's sort of that's definitely been given over the past couple of days. Uh, also, the sense that he's lost the changing room. Sort of that, that there's a breakdown in relationships with his with his key players, as you know, such as, as Pogba. So I, I I do think it seems to be going that way. It might not be there yet, but if if this continues, if if the results are continue to be as poor as they have been, um, I expect him to leave. It it does. It's almost like like Critch said, a case of it's almost a case of when and not if. Um, mm. I mean, I was watching uh, Monday Night Football last night, and, and Jamie Carragher was saying he doesn't he doesn't think he'll be there next season. Gary Neville, who refuses to utter a single word of criticism about Mourinho, uh, just you know remaining resolutely tight lipped on the whole affair. But uh, I, I think what was particularly telling is that when Mourinho is in these crisis moments. His first thought is basically him, himself, his own legacy. How is this going to look? He launches a PR offensive on behalf of Jose Mourinho PLC, mm. rather than you know necessarily the team. Um, going on about how how many titles he's won uh, at other clubs. And it's interesting you say that. Was it three or four days ago? Sort of the headline was Mourinho insisting that he's he's a club man. You know, he's, it's not about him yet, as you say. To last night, he's immediately sort of launching this this PR offensive campaign where he's trying to defend himself. Yeah, and, and the the funniest bit was was when he he was talking about the the how great the fans were and the, the fans were amazing and uh you know again against Sevilla in the Champions League last season they were booed off the pitch but here they were cheered off the pitch because the fans could see the fans the fans who they don't read newspapers they don't listen to six oh six all all they. All they do is is watch Manchester United, and they are the, they're the best judges, and, and they were applauding them off the pitch. And at which point, a journalist points out, uh, some of them were leaving before the end. <laughs> I mean, and, and it was pretty empty by the end. And and then Mourinho goes, "I would leave before the end. It's two hours into the centre of Manchester. <laughs> did, you, did, did you see that? Where he says it's it's two hours into the centre of Manchester after a game. I mean, what was it? is he hopping or something? <laughs> I've I've been to, I've been many times from from Old Trafford maybe to he's the, cycling. Yeah, maybe, maybe he is cycling. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he's got on his bike and he's had to he's had to fight through the um the Deansgate interchange. <laughs> um, I I just I don't. I don't see how he turns this around, and and you know, I, the, the the history of Mourinho at these clubs suggests that he doesn't ever really turn them around. He has he has a big wave of success, and when things start going wrong for him, like like Mix was saying, he he resorts to dramatic solutions, which really become not only counterproductive but but self prophesying. Mm. But I mean, you say he's if, if you know if we, if we talk about this three season syndrome the whole basis of it is that the first two seasons are deemed a success in the sense that he brings in a major title to the club but could you even argue that he's had that much success at United that in in this case this three season syndrome doesn't even apply to, to Old Trafford and Mourinho because the success hasn't been there in the first place yeah I mean, the, the, the hit on, on Mourinho not the hit but um, kind of the big selling point was that he always won his he always won the title in his second season, uh, and if he's harking back to his oh four oh five oh six wins as proof that he is still this this great 
name at the vanguard of football management, then I, I think he, he does have, he does, that's a recognition that he has serious reputational issues. Mm. And, and I, I, I quite like the fact that uh, I, I saw a tweet from somebody last night saying, I love that Mourinho clearly had that line all prepared, but he just had to wait for Wenger yeah, to go. I saw that as well. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was a good one. There's a line by Tarnahisi Coates, which I think quite um, it's quite appropriate here. Uh, obviously, he's not talking about Mourinho at all, but he's talking about growing up in, in downtown Baltimore. But he says, what mattered to these boys was not so much what you came to the street with, but how you carried what you were given. Uh, ergo, like the, the true measure of a coach is not who who you buy or who gets bought for you, but what, what you do with the players that you've got, who you improve. Uh what I mean is he getting the is he getting the best out of the players that he's got? Well, if you take Paul Pogba as an example, I mean, all you need to do is look two months ago or have a long at the World Cup. Um, and Pogba was in stages at the World Cup. He was he was phenomenal. He was fantastic. And then when he returns to the Premier League and to playing under Jose Mourinho, I think there's a definite dip in his performance. Maybe the motivation levels aren't there. I suppose it, you know you've got to take into account the fact that he's surrounded by a very different team to to the France one. So um. yeah, it was it was just like it was another of those games where <clears throat> if United had been one nil up or two nil up, you'd kind of you'd expect Pogba to, to to sort of pop up and and really begin to grab the game. Mm. But once they went one or two nil down, he was. He was not nowhere to be seen. I think a lot of them were nowhere to be seen, but there wasn't that sort of defining performance. There wasn't that that kind of that real bolt of energy. They just don't seem to want to play for him. They don't seem to have the, the, the passion or sort of the, the motivation to, to to get behind their manager and you know and get result for him. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I mean, it's just because I, I think they, it wasn't like a, a downing tools performance. It was more like they were really kind of frenzied, almost like they, you know, almost like they wanted it too much, but also like they were just sort of petrified mm. by the idea of what would happen if they made a mistake. Mourinho keeps going on about mistakes. He says, like uh, after the Brighton game, he says, "Well, we made mistakes. We need to stop making mistakes." And when you when you tell players, "Don't make mistakes. Don't make mistakes. Don't make mistakes," that's not an inspirational, empowering mindset. I mean, nobody ever put up a, like an Instagram post with like a, a, a vista of a sunset <laughs> and, and the slogan, don't make mistakes. Yeah. 
And that's, that's not what inspires people. That's just, that's just what, you know, puts the shits up people. Um, so I, I, I wonder whether uh, this kind of confrontational style of management that he's, he's used so well uh, at Chelsea, at Porto, uh, at Inter Milan, I just don't know whether it's whether it still works. For, I, mean, I mean, it's pretty, becoming pretty clear that it doesn't still work for him. But it, it's it's almost like he, he doesn't really seem to have much much else in his locker. It's wearing thin. I, I feel that the, the whole tactic, from my point of view, I'm you know I'm very bored of Mourinho and the, the same old antics, the same sort of one-liners, these these big uh, sort of demonstrations in his press conferences to deflect from performances or you know, or whatever it, it just it seems like it's, it's the same tactics every year um and it's it's time for him to to move on i think if we pitch this forward a few months and let's assume that he does leave whether it's at the end of the season or mm. mid-season you know zidane is is available which is you know they have a, a ready-made replacement yeah. available uh which which is kind of a what distinguishes him from Moyes and van Hal. where does Mourinho go next where can he go next I wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't. Like, where would he? He's, he's, I mean, he's, he's done it all, really. He's, you know, if the, you, the major leagues. If you think about it, it's sort of big eight, eight or ten clubs in the world. Obviously, uh, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, not going to happen. Bayern Munich, not going to happen. Juventus, I, I don't think would take him. PSG is a possibility, but the word is that they don't really—they're they're mm. not really enamoured with him either. They, you know, they, they want—they want young, dynamic coaches, right? Um, and well, I mean, who does that—who does that leave? Atletico, Atletico Madrid. Does he end up at Chelsea again? Mm. Uh, I, I wonder whether it's one of those. This is this is a real career crossroads. Look, Mourinho is possibly in his last really, really big job, and it's slipping out of his fingers, and and he's. He's doing very little to try and reverse the situation. Uh, it, it, ju- it just seems. It, well, it just, just. I mean, we, we should. Um, by the way, there was another team in this football match, which, which we should also we should also just was touch it? on. <laughs> uh, and I, just a little, little trivia quiz. Do, do you know the last before last night the last Spurs manager to win at Old Trafford? So it was 2014, and it was Tottenham, wasn't it? Hmm? So. Oh dear, this can be embarrassing. This is going to show up my lack of <laughs> managerial knowledge. It was tactics, Tim. Ta- oh, it was it. It was Tim. Tim Sherwood, Tim, Tim Sherwood. the last uh, Spurs manager to to manage Spurs to a win at Old Trafford. Um, and I think I think before that, Villas Boas did it the previous season. Uh, there was a, there was a point at which Spurs were not winning at Old Trafford for fun, but it wasn't a ground that daunted them. Yeah. And over the last few seasons, they'd been, you know. I'd, I think all four of Pochettino's games so far is uh, at Old Trafford is lost without without scoring a goal. Just how big a win is this for for Spurs and and the confidence that, that they'll get from it, knowing that they can go to these these big six clubs and and win away from home. So that's obviously been the issue in the past for Tottenham. It's sort of the idea that they've not been able to perform on the road against their top six rivals. So in beating. You know, United at Old Trafford. It, it could be seen as a, a bit of a watershed moment for them. That it could give them the confidence to go on to the likes, you know, of Anfield uh, and elsewhere, and believe that they can actually get results against their their top six rivals. Where do you put Spurs in the title race? I mean, personally, I I I think the the, the depth is going to catch them out at some point. The Champions League will catch them out, but 
people are talking of this title race as if it's City and Liverpool. Mm. City, then Liverpool. Spurs didn't sign anyone in the summer. Do they deserve to be in that conversation? 100%. I think they'll be up there. So for the last is it two, three seasons, Tottenham have been <laughs> referred to as that sort of a work in progress, a young team that haven't yet reached their potential. But as Harry Kane said, either last week or the week before, you know they deserve now to be treated as a, a team that has or is reaching its peak. I feel that the win against United last night demonstrates that. Um, great, great night for Spurs, great night for Pochettino, great night for their fans. Uh, all except one of them. One of them hasn't, hasn't had a great week. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, this story about Gary Mabbott. I haven't, no. Former, former England and Tottenham defender Gary Mabbott, uh, this is according to the BBC, uh, said a rat ate part of his foot while he was asleep on holiday in South Africa. Uh, the 57-year-old was forced to fly back to the UK for surgery and spent a week in hospital. Uh, Mabbott has type 1 diabetes and has little feeling in his feet. Um, <laughs> this is a great quote. All the opponents that I've played against and I finally get taken out by a rat. <laughs> um, has, have you ever heard of have you heard of anything like that happening? Uh, I mean, basically what, what I'm asking you is, ha- have you ever had a body part chewed off or, or in, in other, you know, some other way disengaged by a rodent? No, not, not a rodent in particular. Maybe a, a dog or a cat, but, you know, that's a story for another time, I feel. So. <laughs> um, the, the incident happened six weeks ago when he was visiting his daughter at the Kruger National Park in South Africa. Um, so, you know, not a, not a happy time for, for all to do with Spurs. But uh, I, think, I think that's a good place to leave that game. Um, so the title race is, well, it's three, it's three games in, but we, we're already getting a sense of, Who's strong? Who's not strong? Who's who's got a hell of a lot of work to do? Uh, who needs a little bit of a you know an upgrade? Um, I suppose let's get let's should we, should we talk about Arsenal? Should we talk about yep, Arsenal for a bit? Let's do that. Uh, they won their first game of the season, first win for Unai Emery. A uh, little bit dicey at times against West Ham. West Ham, indeed. Uh, and I, who I think uh, at one point had three ex-Arsenal players on, on the pitch. Uh, and I've, I, I don't know, have you, seen, have you seen a huge amount of Arsenal this season? What, what, have, what have you made of them? They have, they've had a tough start. But uh, do, you, do you think they are where they need to be? Or, or do you think they're close to where they need to be? Well, having spoken to Arsenal correspondent Luke Brown in, in depth about <laughs> the state of Arsenal, um, obviously they're, they're still carrying all the baggage, aren't they, from... From Wenger and and last season and all the seasons before that, so they, yeah, they've got a lot a long way to go. Um. I mean, there's this whole uh, contract, not sorry, not contract. There's this whole standoff between uh, Ozil and and Emery mm. uh, over whether it, whether he's, he's got an illness. A lot of reports denied by Emery saying that he was, uh, you know, stormed out of training. That there's a bust up between them. And I, I just I find it interesting to contrast uh, this. And I know wasn't in the matchday squad, and Emery was was quite clear that he, he wasn't just he wasn't going to get indulged. And it's interesting to contrast that with when when he arrived at PSG, where he said something like, "My first, my number one job here is to make Neymar happy." Uh, so he, he clearly has an understanding of the star system. Ozil. Uh, you know, Arsenal's highest-paid player is contracted there for another three or four seasons. Is it is it possible, or is is it even desirable that 
Ozil can expect the same, you know, anywhere near the same kind of treatment that Neymar did? Well, no, <laughs> we we can't be putting Ozil and, and sort of Neymar on the on the same page. Well, why not though? But he's a star player. Okay, so in this sense that he is Arsenal's star player, but in terms of, of, of terms of quality and what he brings to the team, you know, they're, they're leagues apart. So I, I don't feel he should be pandering to Ozil's claims and you know his, his strops and his whimsies. But, but Arsenal are, are are a better team when Ozil's in it and playing really well than PSG <laughs> no no <laughs> Arsenal, Arsenal Arsenal without Ozil are a worse team than Arsenal with Ozil the caveat being that obviously it's got to be a good and happy Ozil okay. so it, yeah, it's, part, I agree, it's, I agree. it's part of a job of manager yeah. not to not to keep your stars happy mm. I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate possibly with myself but <laughs> uh, you know, these days does, does a manager not have to manage their star players or, or just or, or get rid of them you know why are they why are they there if they're if, if you're not going to yeah of course like you, like you say you, you've got to get the, the the best out of your players but also without disrupting the, the dynamics of the team and you know like I said and, and catering to the demands of, of your players um, so what whatever happened was it Friday that the incident was, was supposed to take yeah place? supposedly so whatever happened, he's got to move on from this and and get Özil back on board. Um, not a like a an Arsenal not a, not a supremely happy club at the moment. Another another supremely unhappy club is is Newcastle at the moment. They they lost to Chelsea on Sunday with let me just check this nineteen percent possession. Yeah, some uh, of the stats around this game were ridiculous. It's it 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 incredible. Jorginho, it? he had eighteen <laughs> percent possession of, of the whole game. He made one hundred and eighty-six passes, which which ties the the Premier League record that, that Fernandinho set last season for City. I can't remember who it was against, but the the record since since they started recording these one hundred and eighty-six yeah. passes. And and afterwards, Benitez says, uh, "Last year, we were the best team in the bottom eleven in goal difference." And maybe you could be safe because of that. Basically, he's defending their their yeah. really ultra defensive approach. He says possession is just for the TV; it means nothing. What do you make of that? Mm. Well, if you're getting results, then fine. But right, you know, what? What? Where are Newcastle? So what? They've lost. They were. They've won. They've drawn just one game. They've they've got one point so far. Yeah. So if. If that approach was delivering for the side and, and getting them results, then fine. But it's not been, and you know, with difficult games to come, I, I feel he'll need to ch- change. Obviously, aspect. there's it's, it's possible for a team to win with with without much possession if they yeah, if they course. have a, a decent threat on the counter. You know, they they have pretty good players. You know, up top, uh, you know, Rondon missed a couple of good chances. Uh, you know they, they've got Matt Ritchie, they've got the uh, the you know, Japanese fellow Muto. Mm. Uh, you know they they have they have players who can who can hurt size. They've got a pace of Yedlin, um, but you 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 do need to carry that that threat. And, and I, I like, I mean, I, I wonder at what at some point are we going to see a team like are we going to see a team win a game with with zero percent possession? <laughs> is, is that is that even possible? <laughs> I'd like to see. I'd like to see a team try. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right. Uh, where, should we, where should we go next? Leicester. We could talk yeah. about Leicester. We, we could talk about Leicester. Give Leicester a little. 
Um, the re- I mean, the, the reason I wanted to go to Leicester next is because uh, this week we've got Gareth Southgate naming his first post-World Cup England squad. Mm. Uh, and there's a lot of speculation about, about who might be in it. Um, one of the names that's popped up is, is James Madison, who uh, has just started the season at Leicester after, was it 25 million? From from Norwich, something like something that. Like, yeah, uh, he scored his he scored his first goal against. That was last week. Last yes. week, Wolves. Um, against Wolves. Um, what do you make of him? And is is he ready? Is he ready for England yet? We certainly got the confidence. So he's he's, he's twenty one, a uh, very young player. This is the, obviously first season in the Premier League, and already he's, he's got that that sort of that swagger, that confidence about him. He's not afraid to take players on. Uh, he, he seems like he's pulling the, stri- the strings at the heart of Leicester's midfield. In terms of whether or not he's ready for an international call-up is, is, is a different matter. I, I feel he needs a bit more a bit more game time. So far, Leicester, apart, well, apart from United, you know, I, I feel like as a whole, the season needs to get going a bit more. I feel like Madison needs to prove himself against bigger and better sides before we start asking that question. But having said that, I don't think it harm his development if if he was brought into Southgate's squad. Yeah, I mean, the, what what strikes me is uh, like how a player this young has been given such a pivotal role. We, we, a guy with no Premier League experience, remember, mm. has been given it like a basically the you know it's, it's a ten role essentially, isn't it? Uh, in a team of Leicester's stature, a team that that is you know on the fringes of the top six. Mm. And and he's he's been given that responsibility straight off the bat. He's not been you know a, a comparable example, I guess, would be somebody like Will Hughes, uh, who, uh, who who moved to Watford and basically was was nowhere to be seen for four or five months. And he had he had one or two injuries. But it's very rare that a player comes straight out of the Championship and walks straight into a role that important at a at a big Premier League club uh, so soon. So I mean that that's refreshing. I yeah, feel, I feel Pule. Obviously, he's got a history, hasn't he? Of dealing with young players and giving them chances on the main stage. So I, I'm, I'm all for it and to see how, how it goes. Because, I mean, if there's one thing that, if there's one thing that this, this England team is lacking, uh, and which we saw in Russia, it's that sort of creativity in the, in the final third. Somebody mm. 30 or 40 yards out who can, who can play that defence-splitting ball, who can switch play uh, whatever, and, and win it back. Um, it's a recurring theme, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, over the years, there's every sort of three or four years that there's you know the, the next big thing emerges out of the wilderness. We heap all this pressure on the player; they get scrutinised, and then when it finally comes to the international stage, the main stage, they kind of often underwhelm because they've been hyped up so much. So, could it be a case that Madison, in three or four months, you know, this same thing happens again, where he's he's billed as England's future? Underwhelms. I d- yeah, I don't possibly. Know. I mean, speaking of which, there, there's been a, you know, a little bit of talk about possibly Ross Barkley, uh, a resurgence, a yeah. resurgence of Ross. You know, and, and again, this this is a guy who at eighteen is like this. This guy is going to conquer the world. Yeah, you know, like like Alexander of Macedon or Charlemagne, <laughs> like Ross of of you know wherever he's from in Liverpool, uh, and people people project forward. They basically, extrapolate from what they've done. Like all these kind of mad and fantastical ideas of what they're going to achieve, um, almost sort of ignorant of of the hard work and luck, I guess that that you need to to reach that point to keep progressing. Mm. Players don't just keep progressing. You know, only only a few 
improved throughout their entire careers. They have they have peaks and troughs, and and you know I suppose I suppose the case of Barkley you know proves that. I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck a ahead of ahead of Thursday. I'm, I'm like quick fire round. I'm just gonna chuck a few names at you that, that have been talked out talked about as you know possible England you know possible inclusions okay, in the squad. Shoot, uh, Theo Walcott. Oh dear. <laughs> he started the season really well. He started the season really well with Everton. They they love him. He said he said on Saturday that he was it Saturday or Friday anyway over the weekend that he was hoping for another England recall but I, th I think that's wishful thinking to be honest if he's playing well I mean I, I know it, it does seem a little bit like a step back Theo Walcott anyway uh, it's quick fire <laughs> sorry uh, uh, Joe Gomez Joe Gomez yeah I'm confident I, think I mean he's, 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 he's one of the he's one of the players that that is being tipped to to, to get a call up yeah uh, he's he started the season uh, ahead of like alongside Van Dyke, yeah, uh, in in Liverpool defence, three clean sheets, three I think. clean sheets, three, yep. three clean sheets, uh, maximum fantasy points. Uh, obviously knows knows Alexander Arnold quite well. The, 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 the two of them uh, have, have played together all through you know, Liverpool youth level. So so there's a there's a kind of there's a, there's a synergy there. Um, Ryan Sessegnon. What, what if, I mean, I, I don't know if you, I haven't. So seen. he was dropped at the weekend, I think. Was yeah, he, did yeah. he did he even make the, the match day squad, or was he or was he on the bench? I can't quite remember, but I know he wasn't in the first. He played. Team. He came on in the in the 89th or 90th minute. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you can't. Again, he he was being tipped to to be picked, but again, this is is, is this one of those cases where the hype is running a little bit is is outpacing him a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Oh, well, there we go. There's the English squad. So there's the um, England squad on Thursday. You've got, I think we've got the Champions League and Europa League draws on on Friday. Um, so I suppose you know we'll, we'll just preview the the Champions League a little bit uh, because it, it it does seem like one of the the most open Champions Leagues in quite a while. Ironically, given that this is the first season where they've essentially pulled up the drawbridge and given four slots to to each of the the top four uh, France Spain Germany sorry England Spain Germany Italy um are are there any ties are there, are there any games in the Champions League group stage that you really want to see or you really want to avoid are there are there any sort of fixtures that you're just tired of oh in the group stages um I can't, there's none that actually stand out to me to be honest, I mean, um, I'm quite excited for to see how Tottenham fare again uh, after after they, they they did so well, didn't they, last season? Yeah, uh, and obviously fizzled out towards the end. But you know, having said, I I do truly believe that Tottenham are, are going to push on this season, um, and I feel the Champions League could be a, you know, will be the the best arena for them for them to show how far they've come and put in putting in a, a dominant group stage. Yeah, Spurs, um, Spurs. I, th I think will be in uh, almost certainly, or possibly certainly, uh, will be in in pot two this time. I think they were. I think they were in pot three uh, the previous times they've been in it. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's ironic, really, that last season they got what everybody thought was an, an absolutely rotten yeah. draw. They got they got Real Madrid and Borussia Dortmund. People thought they would struggle to get through. They topped the group. Whereas the previous season was, I think, like it was, it was Monaco. I think maybe by, by Leverkusen oh, yeah. and somebody else, and and they they just Is it a Russian, yeah, a Russian team, yeah, Russian uh, CSK Moscow maybe, and they just they totally screwed it. So 
I, it's interesting to I, it's interesting to to see whether they're one of those sides that that really needs that big sense of occasion. Uh, That's true. Yeah, whether they need to, like you say, have those big, big, big time opponents to step up. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they fare. Yeah. So uh, Spurs or indeed uh, or indeed uh, United or or possibly Liverpool will face somebody out of pot one, which is not Manchester City. Uh, because you can't play a team from your own country, but also you've got uh, the three big Spanish clubs, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico, Bayern Munich, Juventus, Paris Saint-Germain, and the one everyone wants, Lokomotiv Moscow. <laughs> um, wh- what, do you, what do you think of the, the kind of the new Champions League structure? There's, there's, there's obviously more, more places have been guaranteed to the biggest countries, uh, teams from, from smaller countries, I found it harder to, to to get in this season. There's fewer spots available for them. We've seen Celtic failing to, failing to make it. Is it? I mean, well, it's the best of the best, isn't it? That that's, that's the whole point of the, the tournament. I think that's what brings in <laughs> brings in the fans, brings in the money. So that's what we want to see. We want to see these, you know, Juventus, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Bayern Munich. So I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad thing in. I mean, do, do, do we? Though, I mean, do we? Do we really want to see Bayern Munich against Real Madrid again? I suppose. Well, I suppose not. Not this early on. I would quite happily not see Bayern Munich play Real Madrid for another <laughs> ten, 10 years. I would put a ten-year moratorium on Bayern Munich against Real Madrid. Uh, also, Barcelona against uh, Chelsea. Barcelona against Chelsea. Chelsea. I'd be quite happy never see that. We can again. veto that one as well. There was a t- there was a point where Arsenal kept getting drawn against Dortmund as well. Which was, you know, and that, that's the thing. If you if you only have the same sixteen teams, yeah. whether, you know, give or take a few, you're just going to get these fixtures every year. I thought like the, the whole point of the Champions League is there's a there's a sort of mystique to it. I want to see like surely that's reserved for the for the FA Cup and League Cup that mystique. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. The, 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 obviously, it's, it's only magic when it when it's um, the FA Cup. In the FA Cup. Um, okay, that's uh, that's your week in football. I hope you've had an interesting time listening to this. Uh, I hope you haven't just been sort of mashing the plus 15 second button the whole time. Just to, are, they, are they actually going to talk about something interesting? <laughs> um, so, yeah, from Sam Lovett, from Miguel Delaney and Mark Critchley at Old Trafford. And for me, it's goodbye. <laughs>